Hello and welcome to the Two Farming Crawfords podcast, where us two dim-witted Scottish farming Crawfords talk loosely about farming and the farming life. Well Crawford, what have you been up to this week? This week I've been at a wedding and a blackening, which was... Oh yes! The blackening <laughs> happened on the Sunday, the, the wedding happened on the Monday. Oh, that's cutting it off fine. We cut it really fine. Yeah, I mean, we've been to a few blackenings before where you, you don't want to leave it less... If it's any nearer than a week to the wedding, it's kind of frowned upon. But yeah, yeah, you were we, well-travelled for this wedding, so it was, it was allowed. It was hard to get hold of him. It's a good friend of our, San, our Sandy, um, who works down in England now. So his brother, Wills, was trying to get hold of him for a while, and he was just, no, I'm working, I'm working, yeah. I'm working. And anyway, long story short, we had to do it on the Sunday. So he, <laughs> Wills came in on a Saturday, picked up a, a drum of old oil and a few bits and bobs from me. He'd already, already picked up a few bits and bobs. Yeah. Buckets of all, <laughs> all sorts. Oh. Um, so then Sunday we went down. We arrived at the bride's mum's house. So it was, a bit, <laughs> it was a bit like, let's be a wee bit discreet about this. Yeah. But she disappeared actually for a little bit. So we took our chance and grabbed him. Yeah. Put him in the back of the truck in the wee um, dog Did- hut. And then take him away to the woods. Did he get? Did he run, or did he, did he have Not a chance? Not at all. We told him. We said, "Sandy, right, you've got thirty seconds. We'll Go. Give you a chance." <laughs> yeah. He just gave up. He's like, oh. he knew it. He knew it was coming. Oh, was like, oh, the well. run's most of the fun. Yeah, we had no chase, but we made up for it. We've only been outsmarted in the blackings I've been to. We've only been outsmarted once, and uh, it was in it was it was in a village not far away from here. And uh, after two hours of us hunting around this village, and we kept phoning the groom, like, where are you now? Oh, I'm up in the woods above the village. And we all hunt up there, not there, obviously. Where are you now? I'm in the park now. I'm hunting way back down, not in the park. And after two hours of hunting about with about 15 of us or more, uh, he phoned me and he says, uh, I am bored now, I'm on the high street, come and collect me. Aye, very good. He goes, no, no, I'm standing on the high street, come and get me. And he, right enough, he stepped in a st- he stood there, I parked up, and he just stepped in the back of the pickup. He came in. And he, I said, where the hell were you hiding? He says, I was just lying in the long grass. He's <laughs> literally, the, we walked past him three times, and he's just, I mean, he's the gable end of a fiver. You know, he's, he's, he's a beanpole, and he literally just lay down in the long grass. <laughs> if, if you were watching this, not just listening, Crawford just went uh, straight flat on his couch. But, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be very well hidden in the long grass. There's a new molehill there. <laughs> Three molehills. <laughs> ah, so we grabbed, grabbed hold of him and as the, 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 the bride is English, so her brothers were there as groomsmen and whatnot as well, so they were in for a bit of a treat. Yeah. So it was effectively only me and Sandy's two brothers as the Scottish contingent. Showing so, everybody how it's done. Yeah, so they were all a bit like... What the hell's going on here? This is <laughs> They wouldn't insane. have ever heard of such a thing. No. Anyone listening, blackening, effectively, it can be the bride as well as the Groom. It's a whitening for the bride usually. Whitening, a whitening, it? yeah, they call it. But they've been done together sometimes. Aberdeenshire well. they do it together, and it's just a blackening. In the West they do it as a blackening and a whitening, and Perthshire has never really done it as a whitening at all. But it's creeping in now, and folk are because it's a fun day. You know, it's a bit of fun. I've seen blacklings go wrong. I've, se- I've seen so explain it in, for anyone who so, doesn't know. Um, the whitening and the blackening, or the, uh, or the bit that went both. wrong. So, so you're meant to run. So it's like the, ideally any time between your hen do slash stag do and your wedding, that is your time that you worry. And you so literally the, the group chat from the stag do gets changed to Ben's blackening <laughs> instantly, and then Ben deleted. <laughs> <laughs> Gone in that order, and then um, uh, then you have to hunt them down. You have to find out what follow their movements, kind of know where they're gonna be and hunt them down and grab them and then you take them away 
Um, usually you don't leave much in the way of modesty left for them. And, <laughs> no. And, and you spend about 15 to 20 minutes or less just sloshing some old stuff on them. I've seen, I've seen guts. I've seen awful... Uh, you know, All it can be really bad in that respect, cows, but yeah. you know, it's usually like spray paint and like feathers and sawdust and and grease and stuff like that. You know, just just a bit of stupidity for fifteen twenty minutes, and then get on the beers. And it's really just a rite of passage. It's all it is. With the girls, it's usually much more tame. The chase is still the fun bit, no matter what. The chase is what you're after, and then uh, you again, it's more like white things. So you're like flour and eggs and and you know rotten eggs for the brides. Yeah, yeah. So, and you usually tie them up. You don't just let them stand there. You tie them to yeah, like yeah. a ring feeder or tie them to a pole. Or that you... was Sandy. He got cable tied to a tree. Really? <laughs> <laughs> his legs, his hands and his You've got to make sure when you catch them, if they're at work, that they haven't got their knife still in their pocket. There was one of my friends, we caught him and I mean, like, we surrounded his farm with about 15 of us. We all, we all literally army crawled round this path, passed through, through, him, through the long grass, past him. And he came back to the yard and saw on the back of his tray of his pickup, there was these big cable ties. He goes, they weren't there earlier. And just sort of stood there, looked around going, uh-oh, where are they? <laughs> and, then, and then he saw me come around the corner of the house. And he's, oh no, ran the other way. I was like, lads, he's coming through to the wheat field. And then he jumped over all the scrap that was in the nettles. He knew fine well where it was, everybody else gingerly. And you've never seen one of our friends who you'd never think would be able to tackle anything. Um, not even a bag of crisps. Uh, yeah, he stood up and just... <laughs> down, Nailed full him. on, halved him. Absolutely, you've never seen a rugby tackle like it. Totally halved him, and then, uh, then one of the more experienced boys of the of the Blackening crew uh, arrived, and his fists, the groom's fists, were still clenched. And I thought he was going to swing for one of us. I would, <laughs> he didn't get anywhere when I landed on top of him. It was <laughs> down you go, and then uh, so the, the the well experienced man was like, "Whoa, look at his fists! Where's his knife? His pocket's empty. Where's his knife?" So quickly. Found in, found in the groom's hand this curled up Leatherman that was going to cut the cable ties and run. <laughs> so we got him. Good thinking, I'll just remember that for, for my own one. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we, fun. we spoke about diversification last week and the yes. wedding on the Monday was at a venue and I, me and uh, we, I spoke to the people who host it and I said, how many weddings do you do here a week? And he said, in the summer, they do six. What a week! A six a week. Oh my god! I think that's not double stacked on a day like two. No, two no, they have on a Tuesdays off. Tuesdays is their day for a full red up of the whole place. Wow. It's a twenty-five acre place. They have kind of an old, old. It's not a farmhouse. It's kind of like a manor house and a few outbuildings that are for the um, dinner and whatnot. And then yeah, twenty-five acres of nice gardens and all that. Wow. Six a week. <clears throat> that's mental. And you're into the. I looked up the prices. There was one week available, one day available in September. And they're into the tens of thousands. Per day? Like per, per, yeah, yeah. Per, per booking. Wow. That's unbelievable. I think, is there, is, there, is there accommodation for you there as well? Kind of. So they have, in the manor house, there must have been maybe three, four bedrooms. And right. that's for, obviously, the bride and groom. Yeah, the bridal party. Maybe yeah. parents and whatnot. And then they had five gypsy caravans on site. Nice. So I was staying in one of the gypsy caravans. Absolutely. Which were, <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, five of them, which was perfect. The bed has electricity and a kettle. That's like perfect. All, all you need. need. Yep, so I stumbled need. into the into them at, at whatever hour, yeah. and then stumbled out of them in the morning and drove home after a bit of breakfast. But it's five of them, and they have a campsite on site as well. Fantastic. So it's all fully kitted out. It has toilet, showers, electric. So it's on site. You book the place for your night, and you're out. Wow. 
I get out. Well, you're leaving is ten because yeah. the next the next party and a half ten. Pretty much. The <laughs> There's some turnaround, and they do all their um, food on site, so they have their own chefs and all that. But all the veg, not all the meat, but all the veg is produced on site. Wow. They've got polytunnels to make all the food. It's it was incredible. Do you know, that's similar to um, another business we've already mentioned on the podcast, actually, but uh, for bikes, Comrie Croft. Oh, they, yeah. they are a wedding venue as well with their own veg making uh, operation on the side, massive veg tunnels everywhere, um, camping uh, 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 across the whole site. Again, it's probably, it's half a hillside they've got in entirety. It's probably about 150 acres. It's not massive, but but it's, it's like massive bike tracks and it's a whole woodland of like forest camping. So there's wigwams, there's there's tent camping, there's rough sleeping, there's uh, proper yurt things as well. And there's the old farmhouse and, and sheds that have been made into bunkhouses. Have they always done weddings? Was that I don't think always, recent? No, they've done it for the last must be ten years. Okay, right. But yeah, the, the, it's, again, it rakes in. It, it'll be there'll be multiple weddings a week in there, and you can obviously rent the whole place out for, for yeah. a party. Yes. It's the case of once they get into a routine of the same process, yeah. like that place down south, six days a week. It's effectively the same event. It's factory weddings is what that is. <laughs> once they get into the swing of it, it must be amazing. Yeah. Rolling. Wow, that's impressive. What have you been at this week? This week, um, that kind of time of year, we've been on the hearst. What we've been doing, we've been cutting the hearst like. So, uh, um, translation, we've been harvesting. <laughs> <laughs> For those non Aberdeenshire folk. <laughs> so, uh, we've, we've uh, nearly finished the, the spring barley, we've only got three days left, and that'll be harvest over. Done and dusted. We've only put one lorry of grain away, that left about two hours ago so far. So, we've got an entire shed filled. Of grain. Waiting on lorries or waiting, waiting to lorries. sell? No, waiting on lorries. Waiting yeah. on lorries. Yeah. Um, but grain quality will be an issue. And if folk have not been careful, which I'm sure they have been, because we've known that this year was going to be really bad for skinnings. Uh, again, for the non-farming amongst you, um, you get different quality of grain. You get paid. Yeah, well, your grain either gets accepted or not on various criteria. You get screenings, which is how big the grain is. You get skinnings, which is how much of the jacket of the barley has been taken off. Like how many grains out of 100 have their jackets been removed. Um, usually that's like 1 or 2%. Limit this year it's 10 to 12 kind of percent. 15 now. Is it up to 15 now? Well, there yep. you go. Right. Um, depending on your buyer. Um, <clears throat> nitrogen level for... Um, you either get high nitrogen barleys or low nitrogen barleys. Um the low nitrogen is about 1.6%. I think it's maybe up to 1.8 now this year. I don't know high varieties. I've, not, I've never grown a high variety. Um, and uh, yeah, so to skin a grain is basically in the grain itself prior to the cutting. If you've waited for it to be really, really dead, it's going to be so brittle, it's going to be easier to skin. So you've got to be really gentle with the combine because the grain has been so varied and ripening. Our, our combine's hardly touching the grain. It's just skiffing through and no more of the combine. And it's just brushing it. And it's... Uh, so we're motoring. We're doing 5K. We're lifting a lot of grain an hour. Like, we're... Compared to our usual. We're doing, like, two and a bit hectares an hour. Usually we do 1.8. Right. So we aren't going faster. Um, but we've been really cautious of the quality. Like the concave is out at 12, 13 mil, when usually we're at 10 mil. Um, the, <clears throat> the fan... Sorry, the rotor speed of that is at 700. Usually it's about 800 nearly. And then the sieves are a way out at uh, 13 and 11. But usually it'd be like the top sieve would be 10, bottom would be 6. 
So we're letting the fan blow all the crap out the back and don't let anything go through the reef thrasher because it will just skin it more, so <clears throat> avoiding all that. So it's been a big learning curve of setting combines efficiently this week again. So is it, this, what a question, skinnings, is it a 1p out of 100 or is it percentage of skinnings on no, it's one. P? If 1p is missing a bit of skin, I want, to know, I want to know how much of a skin missing does that count as a skinning? You know right, I mean, yeah. you know, how much skin needs to be missing for, for it to count as one grain that is skinned? Yeah. Is it half a jacket? Is it like the top wee nick? Is it one wee bit at all? I, I don't know. I want to know. Because, yeah. and interestingly, you get samplers come in against the people that don't know. You get sam people driving around in vans, testing piles of grain around different farms to see if it'll be taken in or not. Um, see if it'll pass muster. And when you put the spear into the grain and you turn the top, and it's a very clever spear. It allows grain to fill from the bottom naturally and to the top as it sits in the pile. You know, it doesn't just open all the valves at once mm -hmm. and it fills from the top and not the bottom. It like very cleverly fills it. But anyway, sounds really rough on the grain. And I, when the first sample came back at 22% skinned, <laughs> I was like, hud the bus. Wait, <laughs> wait, wait. This is not right. <laughs> Something has not gone well. And then the guy came back the next day and I tested a separate pile. I said, right, I want two samples. One speared and one just hand-flung into the bag. And there was 3% difference in the, in the sample. But I also think there's so much variation in the pile that's in your... Very true. In your yard, there in really your sheds. Is. Yeah. So ours is, we've had some feedback, some sampled at 14, some at 18. So when your threshold's at 15, do you send a lorry away? Do you not? Because yeah. it costs you, if you get rejected, it's that's £20 a tonne, basically. And also the polish. hoover that they got at the grain site to take it out of the lorry, and it goes like, sook in the middle, sook in the, at the front, sook at the back. By the time that sooked up and ran through this rough pipe and landing in the lab, they were the skinnings on that alone. A little bit of arrival, it should be a pile of husk. Yeah. <laughs> so, so skinnings, effectively, if, if barley is skinned or the, the shell is damaged, it affects the germination. It still germinates. It, it's it, actually, it, it improves the, the germination. Yeah, it makes it faster. Yeah. So, but that then creates... It make it faster, right? Yeah. So, so that, it's for, the, yeah, for the maltsters, they're wanting a really consistent yeah. speed of germination so yeah. they can cut it yeah. immediately. Yeah. So it doesn't matter for if you're growing it for seed or feed, it's, it's almost irrelevant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for maltsters, they don't like it. Yeah, because it creates an uneven malt. But yeah. depending on what um, stock is in the country, they just have to vary their limits. Yeah, because interestingly, so Scotch whiskey, which is most of what we're growing all this barley for, to be classed as Scotch whiskey, it doesn't need to be Scotch barley or malted in Scotland. I might be wrong with the barley being Scottish or not. I might be wrong with that, so please don't quote me on that. I'm not 100% sure. I would like to get that clarified, though. Um <clears throat> But it's mostly to do with the water. Okay. It's Scottish water and Scottish distilleries. Ah. So like you go to you go to a, a distillery and say, so your your hundred year old uh, recipe, what variety of barley are you using? <laughs> and they go, oh, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? <laughs> I was I was at a whiskey tour uh, up 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 north when I was on holiday in the summertime. I went round and I should have got half the bloody fee back for, for <laughs> doing the tour. Yeah, I ended up giving some of the information for the tour. Um, oh. brother, brother is keen. Okay. Uh, sorry, people. So, uh, yeah, I, there was an American at the end who was asking about barley quality and the, I'd already asked some really quite questioning, probing questions about barley and things like this. And then the tour guide says, uh, would you like to field this one? And I said, yes, of course. <laughs> what, he is, what he really said was, shut your hole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the tour guide. Yeah. Sling your hook. Gives my money back. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
So right, do, you want, do you want to move on to our segment then? Um, while yeah, we're okay, here. let's go on to the, the 5 and 10 segment. 5 and 10, let's do that. Crawford's brother. We have a caller ready to go. Have you got a segment uh, for that? I haven't actually come up with a... Oh, no, I don't. This is he will it... be somewhat informative in farming, so he needs but to But only be... fractionally. He's, he's not Only farming. fractionally. We he's should have come up with something before. Hey. Right, we're phoning my brother. I mean, well, well, here we go. Hello, Jamie. Now you're on on live with Radio Chuckter. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, Crawford, have you got a timer going, actually? I'll get a timer going. Sorry, Jamie. Uh, slight uh, on-air... On Technical hitch. That wasn't the words I was thinking of, but that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. I'm ready. Okay, so Crawford's ready. Jamie, are you ready? Yeah, wait, wait. You don't... You don't so you get, fi- you get five items. You have to tell us five items. In ten seconds, from the topic, from the topic to we give you. you right before the timer starts, is one ready right. to go. Okay, five brands of combining equipment. Go. New Holland, John Deere, Voltra, Massey Ferguson, and Clark's. Keep going. Class. Keep going. Time up. Oh, because you had Voltra, but Voltra isn't right for for combining equipment. I'm sorry, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> So, thanks for playing, but no luck this time. Cheerio. <laughs> we were going to give you brands of boots, but you'd have got that too easily. So. Oh, okay, well, yeah. Right, thanks for playing. Better luck next time. Cheerio, Cheerio bye. <laughs> so, we, done that, we did that segment a wee bit earlier, because Jamie was off to the pub, probably. Uh, I think it's Scran. I think he's about to just get some Scran. He's just needing fed. Okay, so my topic of the week. Um, a wee bit kind of on... It was all to do with the drive down to this wedding. I was listening to ah. a podcast all about Monsanto and glyphosate. And, but we, let's touch a wee bit on direct drilling and glyphosate. And what's your opinions on direct drilling? My opinions on direct drilling are that if you can manage it correctly, I think it's a great thing. Mm-hmm. You need to manage your field correctly, manage your land correctly. And as you say, glyphosate is a big part of that. Yeah, huge um, part of it. But it doesn't need to be the be-all and end-all, not, not being a person that does it. So mm-hmm. I'm not fully, but neither of us are that way inclined. <laughs> well, I mean, it's At a lot cheaper. It's a lot cheaper. So we 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 one pass min tilled a field of cover crop this year, and uh, just with a horse a pronto drill with discs and coulters basically, and um, for seventeen and a half hectares it soaked hundred and sixty liters of fuel. The year before when I did it with a, a basically a grabber like a wee ripper tine and my Lemkin power hammer drill, I used 300 litres of fuel for half the acres. Mm-hmm. So nearly over twice the fuel, just, just under twice the fuel for half the acres. Was, so the difference in fuel cost is massive. It's a huge saving, time saving, fuel saving. Uh, the yield is a bit down apparently, but actually doesn't have to be. You look at Ollie Harrison's yields that he gets on, on YouTube there, he seems to get pretty high yields, if his combine is correct. Potentially. Could be, could be Potentially, yeah, that's... The, there's, the, the the downside to all that is weed control is yield long term and then also whether you're very you're very reliant on glyphosate potentially yeah and <clears throat> whether that product gets banned in the future whether it does or don't doesn't it's up for review next year I'm told twenty twenty five it's twenty five so, so the 25? license was renewed in twenty twenty they were given another five years to carry on so twenty twenty five it's up for review re- review again. So whether, what happens with that, I don't know. But they can't just cold turkey glyphosate gone. It doesn't work. The bother is that, you know, I, I, I'm not a scientist. I don't know enough about these things. But 
from what I'm told, it is not that dangerous a chemical. I mean, it's water safe, for, for God's sake. You're, you're yes. allowed to spray it in your water. So, I, I have, I've been listening quite a lot all about it, and I don't want to be a glyphosate hater. I think it is required to feed the, to feed the world. Yeah. It's a chemical that is needed. Ironically, um, a, a chemical that kills everything needs to feed the world. Yeah. Yes, so, for anyone listening, basically glyphosate is the active ingredient in Roundup, um, which is used to decimate crops, decimate weeds. It's yeah. a, it kills off green stuff, Yeah, basically. Um, and there's theories that the active ingredient glyphosate is completely harmless and think it kind of is. But so there's in, in Roundup, the actual product, the companies that manufacture um, the product, so Monsanto make that product, right. the active ingredient has to be named, but the carrier ingredients, I think there's 70, 80 odd, because they are in theory, uh, what's the word for it? Inert. So they're right. in theory harmless and they're inert. They're just part of the recipe. They're a secret product, so they don't have to list them. Oh, right. So there's loads of theories whether like actually, yes, there's loads of tests done on glyphosate and it's harmless, but the carrier products mm. are not, and they're the ones that are causing issues. Um, but yeah, it's like there's all these, interestingly, all the lawsuits you read about it, there's none from farmers and they're all from um, residential use. Right. So like weed killers for your garden. Yeah. Um, I think in America, the um, farmers have to sign an NDA to do with it all. They're somewhat entwined with that. Really? I don't want to go too far into that because I don't know all about it, but that's why there's, there's no lawsuits from farmers. Wow. The majority <clears throat> are, yeah, home use. Misuse, basically. People who are not trained to do it correctly, is just, I mean, because as sprayer operators, we're trained every year, mm -hmm. retrained every year for a day a year, mind you, but still. Yeah, but so it's like how long can they withstand all these lawsuits that cost them probably peanuts in the grand scheme of things for them? But they, it was a, a few years back they paid out two hundred and fifty million to a big lawsuit on it all. Wow. Well, and also like, well, <clears throat> it could easily surely be banned for non commercial use yeah so i think they're pulling out of the, the that market yeah the, the home use market because that's where all their troubles come yeah. from because there, there is mechanical ways of of de-weeding you know if, you, if you're in your garden and if you're a gardener at home and you don't have you don't have a spray bottle of roundup in your shed what do you use you use a hoe you use a you use a, a trowel fork yeah you you mechanically pull the weeds out or you mechanically disturb the weeds to kill them simple as end of and and um you can try as much as you as you can before a crop, if you plant a crop direct drill it, you can just sort of till the top couple inches or less of soil and then drill and then do it again just before your, your crop comes through. And uh, I think you can straw rake your field once a crop is through and that'll disturb the weeds again mm -hmm. and just keep them dead, essentially, and then let your crop get away. As long as it's got a good thick, thick canopy, let your crop get away ahead of the weeds and it should overtake the weeds and it shouldn't be bad yeah that's the mechanical theory to doing it so there is ways to do it yeah and there's i don't know it's if there's more, more diesel and more time yeah I, th I don't know if there's more people going down the mechanical route rather than chemicals or whether it's just i see it more now um but there's a guy i follow on instagram i'll need to get his name i can't remember his name but he's he's all down that line but he used loads of sheep to graze his crops pre um like so he sows his osr and he must does he graze it through the winter? I'd, I need to check up on this, but effectively he grazes his OSR once, right. it's, once it's through the ground, yeah. once it's up and bushy, yeah. grazes it all, and that forces the taproot to grow more because okay. it's unable to grow a, 
a head on it above yep. the soil surface, so the tap root goes deeper. This is all his theories, and it seems to make a good job of it. I don't know whether I'm just only seeing the good side of it. I have, like... I have seen evidence from a friend of mine who was grazing his, his oilseed reaps, and the yield difference was, it's like three and a half tonne to four tonne, or four and a half tonne, was the, was the yield difference grazed, ungrazed to grazed. Uh, but I think timing is a bit, as, as most things in farming and most things in, in arable ground, arable work, timing is key. Oh, 100%. Like if yeah. you missed the time correctly, that, you know, if, if you waited too long to then graze, graze the oilseed rape off, um, or you grazed it too much and took it too bare. Yeah, I don't think that too bare is an issue, but like if you, yeah, if you left it too long just as the weather turned and it's ready for a boom. You just went to jump. And your sheep yeah. is still gnawing it away. Yeah, that, yeah there's, a, there's an issue there. I mean, the, people graze um, winter barley and they graze winter oats and I don't know about oats, mind you, but certainly winter wheat. But that's more disease pressure than anything else. So if you if you sowed your crop like right now, there's people sowing wheat right now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we were kind of thinking about it actually. Yeah, well, a different variety than what I'll sow, to be fair. I'm, I'm not going to sow wheat for nearly a month. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, the issue is that you get too much leaf that is then too susceptible to disease. Mm -hmm. And you have to potentially use more spray. But if you graze it down, then you won't have that leaf cover to potentially get diseased. Yeah, yeah, the leaves, the leaves are not there to get disease and pick up disease through the winter. Yeah. And then they come again, all singing, all dancing, and zero disease. And they should disease. hopefully tiller out as well, add another wee, another wee leg to the plant, hopefully. Yeah, I'd like to try a few things like that. Are you going to go out with your scissors and just like <laughs> cut a wee square off and just mow no, it? No, just put some sheep on a bit. <laughs> you've, got, you've got three or four sheep in the yard that keep escaping? <laughs> yeah, I'll pen off a wee 10 by 10 metre square yeah, for the three sheep. Buggers. That might keep them in. Yeah. We've unintentionally grazed a lot of land with sheep. <laughs> <laughs> if you watch along on YouTube, you'll see the, oh, yeah. oh, the flipping sheep. I have to phone those boys now and again. But I, that's what They're going to graze my cover crop that I've put in. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is... Uh, intentionally. That, intentionally, yeah. And I've, I've even been kind enough to leave them two strips in the field to split it into three. So you can fence three bits. Oh, you're a good I'm man. too kind. Too kind to him. <laughs> too kind. Put your fee up. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, yeah. Right, back to... I just want to touch on the... I was listening to this podcast and Monsanto. I'm just going to throw a few stats here. I won't go into it too much, but these stats just kind of blew my mind. So, this these stats were all from 2016. But... Monsanto own or trade 23 to 25% of the worldwide seed market is Monsanto right. owned. Um, they, they got bought over by a German company, a pharmaceuticals company, interestingly. Is that Bayer by or something? Bayer, yeah, yeah, for yeah. 66 billion. Oh my God. <laughs> Insane. Oh, um, so there's them, there's another two that kind of joined forces, which were Dow and DuPont. They are 15%. And then... Syngenta and ChemChina, they joined forces. And between those three big conglomerates, basically, they, in 2016, uh, make up 47% of the seed market. Wow. Between the three of them. And um, between the agrochemical production, they own 75%. Jeez, oh. It's insane. So they, they own the seed production. They own the chemical production you need oh, for the seed. Yeah. They do all the R&D for all the seed. They just do it all, and you're just like down in the bottom here, scraping away. Yeah, and oh, that's well, a worry. I'll put some sheep on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so worrying that actually, because then, where, where in, where in their business model is it incentivizing themselves to make the chem, make the, the crop more resistant to disease, so it doesn't need the chemical. 
I'll answer, nowhere. nowhere. Right. Oh, we'll need to sell you more chemical. Oh, mare. Right. Absolutely disaster. disaster. Crops need loads of chemical. Yeah. Oh, look no. at that, we've got them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Low well, and behold. <laughs> it's wild. And these, these guys in the podcast spoke all about, because America's all GMO, gen genetically modified organisms, and loads of their crops are GMO. So they've got this, they've got Roundup Ready corn, they call it. Yeah. So I'm they sow the corn, and it's genetically modified yeah. that. You, you spray it all with um, glyphosate, and it does not die. Everything else dies. But the, this, this GMO, oh, how, is it, how is it phrased? I don't get this wrong. If, if, you're next door, if you're next door to a big farm that's got GMO, uh -huh. and your crop is cross-pollinated with Monsanto's GMO crop, uh -huh. Monsanto are entitled to your crop, because you have their genetics in your crop now that they own. What? <laughs> it's absolutely wild. The GMO thing, right? I, I in one half, I've, I've been involved in cutting um, canola, as it was called in Australia, that was GMO, it was Roundup Ready. Was it? Mm -hmm. um, and it was a nightmare to kill. Could not kill it. So GMOs are banned in a lot of countries. But actually, do you know what? The, 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 the ones... They have GMO stuff to make it Roundup Ready. That's what's killing this whole conversation. If Roundup Ready was not a thing, GMO would be everywhere, and quite rightly, you know, I I would love, I would love to be to to have the ability to allow GMO research. Like in Scotland, we're not even allowed to research it. Like let's get the research. I think I'm, again, do not quote me on that. I'm not sure that may have very much changed. I think you know James Hutton may well be doing that. I don't know, um, but. It seems mad that we're not allowed to use GMO because um, you could make it, um, you could make it basically like a, like a wheat, like a legume. It could be nitrogen fixing. You wouldn't need to spread nitrogen on on the crop because it should be able to drag it out of the atmosphere itself. You could make it a bigger yield. You could make it more disease res resistant. You could make it the best thing going and lay aside the glyphosate thing because all that is doing is allowing farmers to spray the fields for weeds. But now all the weeds will be well if you're not careful will surely become resistant to Roundup themselves because they're just continually getting sprayed with it. Yeah, there's already a bit of resistance coming into glyphosate. So it's, it's, it's killed the conversation. You know, it's, yeah, I, and it's frightened everybody in, into killing the conversation. I think there's definitely significant negatives to GMOs, and I think that's why they've been banned, because you, basically you end up going down a route of relying completely on this one variety almost yeah. you don't you obviously they'll try and spread it out but you become more and more reliant on the same strain yeah. and the good strains and the, the good genetics yeah and once a bit of resistance comes into that or you get a disease that is more powerful than what you've designed and you've designed it around everything and it wipes out that you're yeah. what have you got left yeah um, and there's also loads of there's a lot of studies been done about gmo crops there's a guy who did a he, he had a, three groups of rats and he, oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's a study without a rat. <laughs> Three groups of rats, right? And he, I think he was feeding them potatoes, and he fed one group potatoes with no herbicide treatment. Uh -huh. He had another group potatoes with herbicide treatment, and he had another group of GMO potatoes with herbicide treatment. No herbicide treatment, no GMO. Rats were as normal. Mm -hmm. Middle group um, rats with herbicide treatment were pretty much normal. I think there was slight discrepancies, but pretty much normal. Third group, full of tumours. Really? Yeah. Wow. And it was it was done quite... I need to... Next episode, I'll, I'll need to get the guy's name and the, what he did. But it kind of got squashed quite a lot. Um, I Because these big companies didn't want that 
information put out, um, but it was cited by like 23 or it was indiv individually reviewed by 23 other parties and they all said, yeah, the findings were pretty accurate. <laughs> the, the, all from GMO, basically, that caused the tumours in the rats. Wow. It's wild. That's pretty scary. I, just, I, I went into a complete wormhole on the way down to the wedding down south. I had a six wow. and a half hour drive. I was listening to these guys. It was... Take it they was driving then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was just through the radio. Wow. I mean, if that, yeah, I mean, wow. Don't know if that's, if that's true, that's, that's quite, a, quite a start. If it's not true, don't quote us on it. <laughs> <laughs> Must be careful of these things. Um, yes. Yeah, so I think but then, but then, like, everything in the world, every living organism in the world, in the world, is essentially a genetically modified thing. Naturally, yeah. Naturally, like genetic modification is just a much faster version of interbreeding. Yeah, they, that's they, all they, it is. People who argue for it, yeah, are saying it's just. It's a faster version of natural. It's selection. microscopic. We'll pull that gene and put it into that plant, or you could do it to humans. You could say, "Well, let's pull that nice tall gene with ginger hair and put it into that person there that's that's shorter and non-ginger hair, and actually, hopefully, that'll then create something Get that's rid of the slightly, slightly tall." <laughs> 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 but that's all it is. Like so it's, it's just a much faster version of of of. Breeding. Yeah, yeah, and they were saying all about basically you don't have to take the seed all the way through its seed cycle to grow new seeds to figure out if it's got the genetic right. mutation or the basically you 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 splice it, you put in your how did it because they have to get into the nucleus of the embryos and all that and they so this is a really bad explanation of all the science <laughs> but they don't need to then take the seed all the way through its cycle and grow new seeds. Right. They can splice it, a little bit of germination happens and they can then test it and see if it's got these traits. Wow. So they can do it so quickly. Yeah, that's like days. Yeah, yeah. Wow. They can do it so so fast and they can put, yeah, because they put in these drought resistance, they put in disease resistance, they put in weather resistance. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, like, but surely then you just, it's a no-brainer. Anything that happens, you just throw seed and it's, throw a seed at the ground and it grows. In the desert, off to the Sahara, we'll slip yeah, one cross. Right. Massive deep taproots. Doesn't need any water. Yeah, <laughs> it just goes from the air. <laughs> evening, evening, evening dampness, that'll do me. Yeah. Well, like, all, all the Australian wheat that I was cutting out there years ago, I guess it was eight, nine years ago now, eight years ago, something like that, on it, why, was all owned because it meant that it captured more of the dew in the evening and held onto it. And it got a lot of its moisture from, from, the, from the, the grain, ah. not... Well, at filling of grain time, not obviously when it was younger, it didn't yeah, have yeah. ones, uh -huh. but it got a lot of moisture from the air as well as the ground when it when it was trying to fill the grain out. Ah, interesting. That was pretty cool. Yeah. How yeah. long were you in Australia for? A year and a half, you said. In total, I was in New Zealand. I went to New Zealand first. I did uh, like nine months in New Zealand working for a silage contractor driving. A, I thought it was a weapon of a truck I was driving. I absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was a 1984 Volvo F10 with a Road Ranger crash gearbox. <laughs> it was an absolute weapon. What was it, like 6.8 litres or something? I couldn't even tell you the size of the engine, but oh, it was a beast. Uh, like, like, you know, no, no clutch required. Once you're driving forwards, no clutch required. Just, just, just synchro it was no synchromesh kind of thing. You know, you just get the revs right and sink it into gear and just, uh -huh. funk, and just slot it in. It was fantastic. It was a driver's truck, not a steerer. That was a driver's truck. <laughs> like a, like a, just like a pickup truck? No, like a lorry. A lorry, a lorry. Yeah, a lorry, right, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then uh, I did that for nine months and I went to Australia and did a sewing. So I had an 18.3 metre wide drill 
and I Jesus. drove that night shift for three or four months. Could you ever see the other end of the field? Once you got near it. <laughs> <laughs> After half a day. There was, there was one field that was the same acreage that we have in our entire ground that we run here oh, in one field. Man. And we got into a small field near the end of sewing. And I was like, oh, Brixie, what's, what size is this field? And he goes, yeah, it's, are, are you a hectares? I said, like, 80 hectares? That was transition. <laughs> he wasn't Welsh. <laughs> 80 hectares, this field. It looked like a three hectare paddock at home. Oh, it looked Jesus. tiny. So, um, is, it, and, yeah, is, it, is it true that out there they're quite often just like years where they just don't get crop? Um, not where I was working. No. Maybe in some bits, I'm not sure. But where I was working, it was, it was pretty consistent. Right. But we were right on the edge. We were in a place called Lake King. Um, near is like the next village, the next town. If you went east, uh, east would be Kargurli, the, the gold mine sites. Um, so there's actually a guy I worked very near. is a is a listener. Hello, Nick. How art thou? Send send us in some messages messages if you want. I know he's a listener. He'll be building his caravan at the moment, putting his son do, to he work. Can do, he can do the five and ten next week. Definitely, I will give you a, give you a WhatsApp call in the middle of the night. Your wife will love us for it. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it was good. Have you not, you've not done an Australia tour or anything like that, have no, you? No, I've been to New Zealand when I was younger, but just when I was like on a holiday, seven-year-old. Oh, right. Yeah. No, I should have done. I went, well, I went to uni for five years and then... Covid. Well, I just... I was 24 by the time I came out of uni. I was, Let's just get on with this. What happened to you between school and then? Well... Uh, oh, nothing. But I, I see... Uh, 20, no, maybe I had 23 then when I finished uni. But I was there right. for five years at uni. Oh, because you're a master. Huh? I'm a master. <laughs> Jack of all trades, master of nout. Absolutely master of something. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think it. You wouldn't know. Right, let's move on to the valuations this Smashing. week. Smashing. Do you want what? to go first or I go first? Uh, I've got mine ready, actually. I'm ready. On you go, yep. Hit me with so, it. So, a wee bit topical because you hinted um, that if we were to sell our combine, you might be interested. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got that. Class Your like combine valued. <laughs> I should have done that. <laughs> that would have been really good. I know. Anyway, a class like seeing. 6700, same as ours. Mm -hmm. um, Vario 770 header. This is on tires, not tracks. Ours oh, is on dear, tracks, dear, dear. so there's another 20k to add to it. <laughs> not cheap things. Um, operating hours, 530. Drum okay. hours, 322, 322. 2021, the year. Um, yeah, that's what you need to well, know. Six Walker. I'm going to say 190,000. Oof. Is this X or including VAT? Oh, don't ask me that. I'll say X because I'm always expecting X. I'll give you the X, uh, X VAT price, 244. Wow. <laughs> oh, my days. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't know the exact ours and ours. Ours, Our, ours, ours. <laughs> ours and ours and ours. I'm <laughs> away to Ireland this week. I was going to say, where's the gunners next year? <laughs> I don't know the exact hours on hours, um, but yeah, ours will probably do hours. slightly more than that hours wise. But yeah, if you want it, two fifty. A lot of money. You can oh. have it for two fifty. And um, we're looking at about half that value when we buy secondhand gun mines. We're like, <laughs> no, 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 much more than hundred grand if possible. We'll keep it a few more years. Yeah, then. well, here's a much lower value bit of kit for you. So I've got a new Holland five seven five conventional baler. Uh, it's a two thousand eight model hydraulic drawbar, obviously just slit sideways. Uh, hydraulic pickup reel uh, and immaculate bailer. Immaculate. So, immaculate bailer. 2008 says. immaculate. Mm -hmm. Can I see a picture? Sorry, covering the price. Okay, right. If uh, you'd like to see the picture, folks, it's on page 90 of the Farmers <laughs> Weekly. <laughs> first, of, first of September model. <laughs> oh, I, oh I, 
I'm bad at these normally, but this is really out of my depth here. Baler prices. We've not bought a baler for about Especially 15, 15 years. Yeah, so an idiot, oh. an idiot to brick a baler, as I, was, as I would call this. Um, oh, I'm, I'm going to go... This might be miles off. I'm going to go eight grand. Eleven seven fifty. Ah, I'll away. take it. I'll yeah. take it. And as a percentage, it's probably quite far away. It's probably as far away as I was. But still, <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. Have you got a second one for me? I've got one here. Right. Okay. Thirty foot shipping container. Oh, nice. Um, condition in the pictures looks um, poor. There's there's a picture so it's there. Done, it's done some shipping. It's done some shipping. Um, <laughs> it is a double door shipping container, well used, and would need some welding to make it fully watertight again. Hmm, 30 foot. I don't have a year for you, but it's a 30 footer. Uh, it's probably only a year old a bit. <laughs> it looks about 100 year old. Um, I'm going to say two grand. 850 pound. I was going to say a thousand, and I thought, nah, it's 30 foot, 30 foot. Percentage wise, you're miles off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 100% wrong. 150, 125. <laughs> right, okay, final one, here we go. Uh, I have a Locus Caster, which is plus 60R feeder and bedder. So it's an orange brand. Uh-huh. Uh, if that helps you in any way. Um, electric controls, 100% GWO. don't know what GWO means. Um, good working order, I assume. Good working order. <laughs> <laughs> Not GMO. Genetically <laughs> modified. They've turned that uh, M upside down. Uh, in use by ourselves. We don't really know you guys. so um, Huge, <laughs> huge saving. In Have, what? I got don't a year? Know. Have I got a year? Nope. 2013. 2013. Apologies, 2013. We've done a few bales. Uh, I don't know, Buckley bales like it. Um, I think it should be five grand. Now again, percentage-wise, you're not doing well. Miles off again. Yeah, yours nine thousand nine hundred and fifty pound plus that. Jesus, that's expensive. That's a big better. You get you'll, it'll be what a, size? What is it for? Kind of is it a trailed one? Yeah. All right. Would that have made a difference? <laughs> yeah, I would have gone about nine and a half. I think. I see. We don't. <laughs> Miles yeah, off it. Yeah, absolutely. Nowhere near it. Nowhere near it. Right, we'll fire for you a couple of listeners' questions this week. And if you want to ask us some listeners' questions, head over to the Crawford's Farm. No, sorry. Wrong, wrong, well, wrong that name. one as well, if you wish. Yeah, right? either Crawford's Farm on Instagram or the two farming Crawfords. Um, let's find some. I've not actually had a wee look oh, through talk, these. Talking, talking of the Instagram, I feel like such a celebrity. I've had over a thousand views on my reel. A thousand? Over a thousand views. I couldn't believe it. You're in the money. You're in the money. <laughs> Okay, I also asked um, for a question on the most important tool in the workshop. What's, what's your most important tool in the workshop? Uh, probably the light switch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did all the, all the damage of course. Because like, I can never find any of my tools. I, I don't use the workshop that much. Um, the grease gun, because it's probably the most used thing in there. Have or, you got an electric grease gun yet? No. Get one. No, like an arc. Oh, I think you're just over pumping it and the thing is like zing, 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 zing. It's like, no, that's it's not, force it's not probably a huge amount, but oh, it gets, oh, that's amazing. Yeah? Yeah, when you're go, going down the oh, disc. It's an extra thing to have and get a battery for it. Five minutes. Is there a manual handle in it as well in case the battery runs nope. out? Well, the battery lasts ages. You can do 10 tubes of grease. Ah, but what if you then go and pick up your rattle gun? And you, you can do you, more than 10. You can do about 20 cans of grease. <laughs> so no, I don't have one of them. I, like, I, I, I don't use the workshop probably often enough to have a favourite tool or most important tool? Probably the vice. That's, uh, as workshop tools go, the grease gun's probably one probably of the my most important. Probably the most important tool is the grease gun. Yeah, but it, I wouldn't say it's my favourite on the manual side. Once it's electric, it's one of my favourites. Does, does the electric one ever jam? You ever got like air locks in it? Never. Total nightmare. It's got a wee 
it's got a wee um, air release button on the side oh, there's, of it. There's one of them on the manual ones as well, but do they work? <laughs> this one works. All right. Oh, so good. <laughs> oh, there you go. You can set the pumps as well. So oh, you can turn it to like three pumps, yeah, ten so pumps, you've got pumps. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, then it goes 15, 20, 30, So you 50. can make you can make it a two-push squish, or you can make yeah. it a, a, yeah. a stud at 20. Yeah, it Done. Do do. Oh, it's so good. I'm telling you, if you anyone who's listening who has an electric grease gun will know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Grease guns, electric ones are. You'll never Some regret it. Um, yeah. Other than that, though, they've got a few a few answers: adjustable spanner, spanner hammer, the imperial or the, or the, or the, or the metric adjustable. <laughs> Met, metric. Come on, we spoke about this a few weeks ago. We don't yeah, deal with imperial. imperial. Pass me the imperial shifter, would you? I've got a metric grease gun. Or the crescent, as the New Zealanders call it. Biscuits, someone says. Yeah. Uh, the, pers the person holding the tool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The tool at the end of the tool, yeah. <laughs> Which tool? Um, the big hammer and a pry bar. Ah, uh, WD-40. You need to have the flow chart on the wall. The, yeah, yeah. The big hammer, duct tape and, and, and WD-40 flow Does chart. Does it move? <laughs> Should it move? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We all know the one. Okay, and one last listener's question, which was a dangerous one to answer. What's the closest call you've had on the farm? Uh, and we'll caveat that from by saying uh, we are no in no way proud of this accident. <laughs> Maybe you are. I've I, not heard yours I, yet. I've not really had many. Like, I, I don't really think I've had accidents on the farm, to be honest. Um, I'm far too careful for such things as that. Uh, we've we've had a baler go on fire before, and we've managed to put it out. We've had two balers go on fire, in fact. Fire brigade was required at the second one, and, and we got another baler after that. Um, so no, I haven't had many machinery close calls. The closest call I've ever had was was I was standing around the corner, and um, my phone rang. And it was Dad around the other corner. Like, <laughs> <laughs> to get hiding, are you? There you go. There's, there's a close call for you. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. I just got that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a shocker. Yeah. We should end the podcast now. <laughs> Dark in the mood. What's your, what your closest call? I had a bad one when I was, I don't know, I must have been at least 13. <laughs> no, I must have been, I don't know, 15, 16 odd. And I was out in a the field, there was a, a roll of net wrap and it was really badly for... For over turnips. We used to grow turnips. Oh, right, right, net right, over right, the top. Right. Not net wrap, sorry. Fleece. Fleece, that's the one. Um, and it was badly rolled up, so I was unrolling it with a forklift and I was trundling it away and pulling it backwards a bit, pulling it backwards, pulling it backwards. Thud. Hmm. Oh, no. What's the thud? I was in the forklift at the time. Thud. Hit electric pole. Oh, mirror. <laughs> Reversed into electric pole, but um, it shut off power to the whole farm. Right. I hadn't broken anything or done anything, but... You must have tripped a switch or something somewhere. Yeah, I must have tripped something, but apparently it, it had, like... Someone had seen it, and I think Dad must have seen it. It zapped the forklift, like like a lightning bolt wow, or really? something. Oh <laughs> this is when, when I was younger, but... Thankfully, I knew at the time not to get out, if you ever... Oh, this is a wee... Um, um, what's the word for a safety briefing? A, a safety point. Yeah, if you're ever in trouble, or tangled with power lines or electric lines, never get out the machine. Or, or if it's going to go on fire and you need to get out... Jump. Jump as far as you can. And hop. Yes, now though, ideally with one foot only, is it not? Or both feet together and do not do not let them separate. Is that right? It's because basically you have a step potential is what they call it. If you if you like stepped away with one foot and landed on the other foot, you would get zapped. Okay. I don't know if it's if after being in midair, again, please don't quote me, we need to look at the spark thing. Well, we it's could, like when you we touch could, the we could, fence. We could, we, could, we could pause and quickly check that because it's quite an important thing that actually. 
Okay, we've just done a bit of research. Groff is going to tell you the, the exact, the, the safety calls from, is this from SSE? This is from... Uh, the internet, so it must be correct. <laughs> but this, this does ring true. Um, so this is keep your feet, it says keep your feet together and land on both feet at the same time. Hop with both feet together or take small shuffle steps, keeping both feet in contact with the ground for um, at all times until you're about 50 feet away from the downed line. Yeah. That is the safety method. So that's if you have to get out the machine. If, if you don't have to get out the machine, then get yourself un untangled if you can while you're in the machine, get the machine away, and then you phone the SSE and say, what do I do? Or the emergency services, probably. Yeah. Again, don't get out the machine if you don't have to. If you, yeah, if you don't have to, then, then stay where you are. But ideally, get out the way. Because it, it could a spark could arrive hop. again and, and, and put things on fire or whatever. Ideally, get out of the way. But if you don't have to, then d maybe don't. Yeah, so thankfully, um, I, um, I made it. You're here. <laughs> <laughs> I made it. I, I did my safety protocols and I survived. <laughs> I survived. <laughs> anyway, on that note, thank you very much for listening to the Two Farming Crawfords podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, head over to Instagram to the Two Farming Crawfords. Also, rate us five stars on Spotify and on Apple. I'm not sure how the rating works. But anyway, thanks for listening. It's cheers from me, Crawford. And it's cheers from him, Crawford. <laughs> Adios. Cheerio, bye.